Good morning, City Church. We are so excited to have everybody here today, even though we're not uh, right in the same room together. But, but we are doing something that, that's a little bit different, but this is our first Sunday of, uh, of being remote, and we're just happy to have everybody uh, joining us today, whether you're at a house church or, 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 or in your own home watching us. We appreciate you being here today. I am so excited about the message in the series that we have going called Seven. It's statements of Jesus, the, the I am statements of Jesus. And they're, they're amazing statements, incredible statements, I think, because a lot of times when we delve into the, the Word of God, into the Bible, we take a look at things and we, we kind of uh, have to kind of put things together and, and, and kind of uh, pick little pieces here and there and, and kind of put them together and, and, and pull out the truth. But with these statements, these are what Jesus says about himself. This is what Jesus says about the, the very things that he came to this earth to do. So I think when Jesus says, I am anything, we need to really take, take note of that and, and delve into it. So I am very excited about this. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the, the I am statement where Jesus says, I am the door. So I'm going to tell you that right up front, but, but it's not going to give away too much because we're going to really jump into that and, and, and go deep into that as deep as we can. He says that in John 10, 1 through 10. However, in order to understand why he was teaching what he was teaching in John 10, we're going to jump back to John 9, the Gospel of John in, in chapter 9. And don't worry, I'm not going to read the entire chapter for you or to you. Uh, that would be a little overkill right now. But what we're going to do is I'm going I'm to kind of just step through chapter 9. And, and take a look at it, and I'm going to kind of pull out some truths, and I'm going to read maybe a few scriptures, but for the most part, I'm going to summarize it. But there are some things that we have to look at in chapter 9 to understand what he was saying in chapter 10, because it's really the same story. Even though the, the chapters skip uh, from, from 9 to 10, it's really the same story. It's a continuation of that story. So in John chapter 9, Jesus is, is walking through Jer Jerusalem with his disciples, and they come across the blind man. And, and the Bible calls him a blind beggar. So he's probably one of those people that, that maybe we, we, we kind of pass uh, in, in our own lives and, and, and he kind of just blends into the background. We, we, we don't really know a heck of a lot about him except that he's blind and, and he's, he's on the streets begging. Probably begging because that's his only means of support. That's the only way he can get food for himself. So he's on the street begging. And Jesus and his disciples come across him. And Jesus begins to engage with this man. And, and as he engages with him, it becomes evident that Jesus is looking to heal this guy. He's looking to, 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 to see this man restored to his full potential. And what happens is Jesus kind of does something maybe we would kind of consider a little bit odd. He spits on the ground and kind of mixes it together and, and, and kind of creates a little mud or clay out of the dirt in the ground. And he puts it on the man's eyes. And as he does that, he tells the man then, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man does this. He, he washes in the pool. And miraculously, this man is healed. This man, his blind eyes are opened. It's amazing. And, it, and it's one of those things that if we were in a, a, a community group, if you, if you were sitting in a community group or, or your house church right now, and somebody was healed, their, their blind eyes were opened, somebody you knew was blind received their sight, that would be an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, incredible. And, it, and really cause for rejoicing. And I think if I was sitting next to somebody that, that just got healed, I'd be first amazed and astounded. And then secondly, I would rejoice with that person because this person was, the, the, the very trajectory of their life just changed forever. 
If Jesus healed, if God healed somebody, that's an amazing thing. But that didn't happen here. What happened here was that the, the entire community that kind of saw this happen, they, they saw this story begin to unfold and they saw this happen, began to interrogate this guy. Instead of rejoicing with him, they interrogated him. They had a lot of questions for him. They, they, they wanted to, first of all, find out if he was indeed this, this, this blind beggar as he says he was. And they wanted to know who, who did this to him and, and how it was done. G, the man was very forthright about everything that happened. He, he, he just basically was uh, telling the truth. He was telling what happened to him. And, and, and as these people were listening, he, he, he relayed to them that, yeah, the, this man Jesus did this for me. He, he spit on the ground. He put the mud on my eyes. And, and, and I went to the pool of Siloam and I was healed. I, can, I have sight now. Quite an amazing thing. And, and at that point, probably... Um, Maybe at that point you'd expect the people to rejoice with them, but still they didn't. There was, there was, there was some kind of interrogation going on. They're almost putting this, this man on trial, so to speak. It, it, was, it was the type of thing where it was just, just kind of unbelievable if you think back uh, about what was happening, if you, you kind of look at the situation. So the, the, the interrogation continues. Now these are, these are people that, that lived in the city of Jerusalem. These are people that... that probably should have known this man or at least uh, have seen him before. So they continued the interrogation and, and instead, instead of stopping it right there, they bring this, this man to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the, the people who kind of uh, were, were leaders in the synagogue, the, the religious leaders of their time. They brought, them, they, they brought this man to, to kind of continue the interrogation. And, and the Pharisees kind of went through the whole thing again. They stepped through it. They, they asked them the same questions. And, but, but they were a little more interested in, in, in this Jesus. They were a little more interested in who Jesus was. And, and, and they began to question him. And the Pharisees were, were a little bit divided. Some of the Pharisees thought that, well, this man healed on the Sabbath day. Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day, which was against uh, the, the law if you consider healing somebody uh, working. Uh, so, so they were trying to pin something. They were trying to pin this tag on Jesus as a sinner because he healed on the Sabbath day. Some of the Pharisees maybe were, were a, a little bit less critical and, and thought that, uh, that Jesus, um, maybe a sinner couldn't do this. Uh, they, they were maybe kind of understanding a little bit about what was happening here. This man was healed. This man was healed and these people are interrogating him like he did something wrong. But, but there was something else going on. There was an undercurrent going on. So these people, uh, the, the, the Pharisees then, decided that, hey, hey, this, this, this needs to go a little further. We need, to, we need to really understand if this man is who he says he was. Is, is he really the blind man? Is he really the blind beggar that, that, that's been on the street corners that we see around Jerusalem? And, and, and they, to do this, they bring in his parents. So the next step, the spotlight goes from this man over to his parents. And they began to interrogate the parents. Is this your son? And was he born blind? And why does he see now? Well, the parents were okay with the first two questions. Yeah, he's our son, and yes, he was born blind. But as for how he sees now, we don't know. He's of age, why don't you ask him? There was an undercurrent going on in Jerusalem. And, and, and the Pharisees made it very well known that if anybody received Jesus or thought that Jesus was the Messiah, that they were going to be kicked out of the synagogue. And that's quite a, quite a thing for this time. If you... Uh, if we kind of understand the, the, the importance of the synagogue in, in Jewish life and life in Jerusalem at this time, that was their, that was their, their, their social 
atmosphere. That was their religious atmosphere. It was, it was all surrounding the synagogue. So to be kicked out of the synagogue was a, was a pretty major thing. It wasn't something that these people took lightly. It was something that, that, that they understood that the, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders were going to kick them out. They were going to take some, something away from them. They were going to ostracize them from the community if they thought that Jesus was the Messiah. Or really, uh, uh, to, to extend that, if they thought that, that they were, they were uh, applying any good thing to Jesus, they were going to kick them out of the synagogue. So the, the, the spotlight then goes off of the parents and back to this man. The, the Pharisees went back to the man. But this time, instead of interrogating them about what happened, they were a little more interested in, in who Jesus was and who this man believed Jesus was. Because they were trying to pin something on Jesus. They were trying to dig up dirt on Jesus. They were trying to put something on him to kind of separate Jesus from the people that were in that community. You see, they were, they were, they were felt, feeling as though they were, they were kind of losing a little bit of their power and a little bit of their authority. They were beginning to lose that and they wanted to kind of separate Jesus. If they could just pin this on Jesus, pin something negative on Jesus, pin some dirt on him. Um, like we see a lot today. We see a lot, a lot of that in the news today. If they, were gonna, if they could pin something on them that they, they would be able to successfully solve their problem, then they could get rid of Jesus. But this man wasn't going to have it, to be honest with you. Um, as they continued the interrogation, and, and the Pharisees got down to the, to the very uh, point that was really on their mind and, and, and who Jesus was and who this man was receiving Jesus as, they, 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 they fired at him uh, a bunch of questions, and, and, and I, I love this man's answer. The, the, the way that he answered the Pharisees. Be, because you, uh, if, if any of you, I, I think that, that theology is, is an, an immensely important thing, and, and I think that um, we, we need to uh, have lots of theologians to, with, with good theology, and, and it brings stability and, and direction to the church. But have you ever uh, talked with a person who um, has just... Uh, received something from God or, or has been affected and, and impacted by God in just a major way, like this man has. He, he just received his sight. When he received his sight, uh, he, he wasn't a great theologian, but, but he had some amazing insight about who Jesus was. And as he began to answer the Pharisees, he, he almost put them to shame. He put them to shame because he was just relaying who Jesus was to him because he just received something from him. He, he just went through this miraculous event and he receives something from Jesus. So he, 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 he answers the Pharisees in a, in a pretty amazing way. In chapter 9, verse uh, 25, he answered, Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And, and then he answered them further. Um, that he, he said to the Pharisees, why, why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began uh, has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. You see, he was almost teaching the Pharisees. He, he really was. I, I don't think that was in his heart at, the, at that point. He was just letting them know what happened, and he was letting them know who he thought Jesus was. And I think at that point, the Pharisees then were, 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 were seething. There must have been rage in, in, in their hearts at that point because what they were trying to do was pin something on Jesus, and it was becoming abundantly clear that they weren't going to use this man's testimony to pin anything on Jesus because, you see, he received something from God. He received something from Jesus, and, and as he began to describe it, 
as he began to describe it to the Pharisees, it was abundantly clear that he wasn't going to, to, to be able to throw any dirt on Jesus. He, he, was, he wanted to know more about Jesus at that point. And the Pharisees must have been seething. They must have been enraged at, at what this man was saying because they, were, they, they knew that, that they weren't going to get what they wanted out of this. So the Pharisees answered back to this man with, with a lot of rage, a lot of anger, and they said, you were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? And they cast him out. You see, they cast him out of the synagogue be, simply because this man told the truth. A man who was born blind and received his sight, we should have been rejoicing. They should have been rejoicing with that man, but they weren't. They weren't. They were putting him up for public trial and public interrogation and public criticism. So Jesus heard about this in chapter 9. Jesus heard about the, 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 the controversy and, and this man being uh, uh, just kind of brought out for, for public criticism. And Jesus came and, and, and said to the man, um, and to the Pharisees and the, the neighbors, and, and the, the, there, were, there were still people around. The same people were around. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. You see, Jesus was, was about to do something here, and he was about to get a little deeper, and that, that's where chapter 9 closes out. And as chapter 9 closes out, the Pharisees were, must have been again enraged, and they were beginning to understand that Jesus was, was in that last statement calling them blind. Jesus was, was, was about to do something here, and it was a pretty major thing. So let's continue on. We, we need to understand that, that in chapter 9, we can see that the Pharisees are the gatekeepers. They're the ones that, that kind of open the door and close the door to the synagogue, which, which had, at, that, at that moment in time and, and in that place was really opening the door and, and letting people know that, that hey, you're, you're, you're in a relationship with God and you're not because you're following the law or you're not following the law, you're not doing the right things. They were the gatekeepers. You see, they tossed that man out, and everybody in that community knew that if they, they received Jesus as the Messiah, if they thought that Jesus was the Messiah, that they were going to get tossed out as well. So we, we continue on in chapter 10. So as we open chapter 10, Jesus then begins to, to get a little deeper. And, and we need to understand that this is just a continuation of that same story. The same thing happens. The, the blind man is still there. Jesus sought him out and he was talking with him at this point. The, the, the community, the, the, there, there was a, a big hubbub in the community. So, so people were gathered around. They knew, they understood what was happening here. And the Pharisees were there as well. We can see in the scriptures the Pharisees were there as well, the religious leaders. So everybody's still there. In chapter 10, Jesus delves a little deeper and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, this is verse 1, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So we can see when Jesus says truly, truly, or verily, verily, in, in some verses, we can see that he's about ready to go deeper. This is really a continuation. He's delving deeper into this story. And he brings up the idea of a sheepfold. Now, in Jerusalem, at this point in, in where we are, we don't understand necessarily sheepfolds, and we're not a, a hugely agricultural society. But in, in this time and place, there was a, there was a lot of people who, who understood what a shepherd was and what a sheepfold was and, and, and all the, the, the processes around that. So Jesus is bringing in this concept, this analogy of a sheepfold. And... and, and what a sheepfold is, is, is just basically almost like a little corral for sheep. And it's where the sheep kind of came in from, from uh, the pasture, from the daytime. They'd go out into the pasture, and then they'd come back at night into the sheepfold. And they would be protected there. They're, they would be protected from predators. They would be protected from robbers and thieves. 
So, so multiple shepherds may bring their sheep back into the sheepfold. And as they're standing there in Jerusalem, chances are that they were standing right next to a sheepfold. And, and Jesus is using this as an analogy. He's using this as kind of an object lesson. And he's kind of bringing this in. And he's going he's gonna to go deeper into this and into what happened in chapter 9. We're going to see what he's teaching about that in chapter 10. So Jesus continues in, in verse 2. He says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. In verse 4, when he, was brought out, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The shepherd they will not follow, uh, or the stranger, I'm sorry, the stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. There's a few things that I see in those, those verses. The first is, that Jesus calls, is talking about the shepherd calling the sheep by name. Jesus calls us by name. You see, all the stuff that he's going to bring up here is in direct contrast to what happened in chapter 9 with the Pharisees. Jesus calls them by name. He calls those sheep by name. The shepherd calls the sheep by name. He calls us by name. In, if, if we look back into chapter 9 with the Pharisees, they didn't even know who that guy was. That he was a blind beggar to them, and they had to bring in his parents to, to, to kind of uh, verify who he was. They had no clue who this man was. But Jesus calls us by name. You see, Jesus is starting something new here. There, there's a new covenant coming, and he's, he's kind of preparing people right now, and he's bringing this out, that there's, there's a new thing happening. Jesus calls people by name. He knows them. He knows every hair on their head. He knows the, the very thing that they were created to do. He knows us uh, intimately. He knows us intimately, and those Pharisees, they had no clue who this guy was, and the, the entire town, quite honestly, had no idea. The community, the people that, that should have been a community for this guy had no idea who he was. The second thing that I see is the sheep the shepherd's voice. There's a relationship between, between the sheep and the shepherd. You see, the shepherd calls the sheep by name, but the sheep know uh, the, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Um, that's That's just like what we need to be doing. We need to be understanding the shepherd and we need to be praying and studying and understanding what Jesus sounds like because we need to know the shepherd's voice. The shepherd calls a sheep by name and the sheep know him by, the sheep know his voice. I was, uh, I was amazed. If anybody has ever uh, um, looked up uh, YouTube, I, I kind of looked on, on YouTube and, and kind of um, saw a few videos that kind of depicted this. And I, I, it, was, it was absolutely amazing. I, I saw one in particular uh, of a man who was, who was kind of looked like he was bringing some people for a tour of his farm, and he had sheep in a field. And he, he, he kind of challenged these people to, to go up to the, the, the fence line and, and call the sheep. And he even gave them the words to speak and, and, and the exact, uh, the, you know, the, the volume to use and the words to speak. And, and one by one, each of these people, I think there was about three of them, went up to the, to the fence line to call the sheep in. And I, and I got to tell you, not one of those sheep moved. Not one of those sheep uh, even stopped grazing to, when they heard the voice of those strangers. But the, the shepherd then goes up to the fence line and begins to call the sheep. And, and amazingly, using the same voice, the same words, he called the sheep. And within seconds, the sheep began to look up. And within probably 15 to 20 seconds, the entire herd of sheep uh, or flock of sheep were, were over to the fence line. Amazing. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. And that's the way we need to be with Jesus. We need to hear him. We need to hear him call us by name. And we need to know his voice. The, the other thing that I see in these verses is that it says that, that the shepherd goes before the sheep. 
I, I know a lot of us uh, have, have probably uh, know of some leaders in, in their lifetimes, in some good and some bad. And I think one of the things that I can see out of the, some, of, some of the leaders that I, that I followed that, that I would consider maybe bad leaders, they, always, they, they, they never went before you. They kind of kicked you out in the front and, and kind of waited to see what was going to happen. And, and if it all blew up, they were, they were gone. But if it, if it started to go well, they jump out in front of things. But this, this is not how Jesus leads us. He, he leads us. He, he goes before us. He goes before the sheep. He goes before us and he prepares the way. He knows what it's like to be where we're supposed to be. And then he calls us out and he leads us. He goes before us. He's a good shepherd. He leads us. So Jesus continues on. And, and, and just so we're understanding, all of this stuff is in direct contrast to what was happening in chapter 9 with the Pharisees and what these people um, saw as leadership and saw as, as the, the, the kind of pathway to God. This is in direct contrast. They didn't know, the, they didn't know this person's name. They, instead of going before them, and they, they kind of put them up to public interrogation. They weren't looking for this guy's transformation. They weren't looking for this guy to, 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 to grow in his relationship with God. They were just looking to protect their own power. They were looking to protect their own authority, the Pharisees and religious leaders of that, day, that time. So as this continues on, we see in verse 6 then, Jesus says, this figure of speech uh, Jesus used with them, but uh, they did not understand what he was saying to them. So they, the people understood what it was to, to be a shepherd and, and what sheep were and what a sheepfold was, but I don't think they were quite getting what was happening here, what, the, what, what Jesus was about to do and, and, and what he was talking about and, and what he was claiming. So he's going to get even deeper and he's going to get more clear here. It's still an analogy, but he's going to get very clear, and, and in the end, they're, they're going to start to catch on. So in verse 7, Jesus says, So uh, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is the door of the sheep. That where the sheep enter in, into the sheepfold. Jesus is the door of the sheep. In verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. We can see that, that in, in this, Jesus is saying, he's the door. Uh, I... When, when Pastor Mike asked me to, to, to um, give this message, I, I, I kind of thought, you know, this is, this is a great story. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty neat story. I could even kind of remember back when I probably learned it in Sunday school and, and probably even pictured the flannel, flannel graphs in my, in my mind. Um, but the more I delve in, the more I do delve into this, I can see that, that Jesus was, he was blowing something up here. This is not just a, like kind of a cute little story, but he was blowing something up. He was introducing like this new covenant, this new way that we can kind of get in, in communion, get, get back with, with God, get back in right relationship with God. You see, up until this point, as we saw with the Pharisees, it was all about rules. It was all about sacrifice. It was all about doing what they said. They were the gatekeepers. They were the door. But Jesus is blowing, some, blowing that whole thing up here. He's saying that he's the door, that the only way to the Father is going to be through Jesus. That's what he's saying here. The other thing I can see in, in these scriptures is that uh, they, they, they went out to good pasture. Jesus brings the sheep to good pasture. The Pharisees weren't doing that. The Pharisees were just looking at, at protecting their own ground. They were looking at uh, making sure that their, their stuff was protected, but, but they weren't looking for anybody's spiritual growth here. They weren't looking for, for people to be well-fed spiritually. They weren't looking for you to be transformed. They weren't looking for their people to be uh, growing and, and, and continually growing and, and, and pursuing God and, and, and getting in a right relationship with God. They were just looking out for their own, their own stuff. 
But Jesus brings us out to good pasture. Just like, he, just like the shepherd brings the sheep out to good pasture. Jesus brings us out to good pasture. In verse 10, it kind of sums this whole thing up. And, and, and I love how, how he says it. He, he brings the direct uh, contrast between himself and the Pharisees, between what, what he's looking to do, what God's looking to do with these people and, and what the Pharisees have done. It says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, that's the, that's the, that's the bottom line. Jesus comes to, to, to give us life and to give us life in abundance, and that's totally not what the, what the Pharisees were all about. So what, is the, what does all this mean for us today? Uh, again, this is, it's the most amazing thing to me because I think that uh, what we see in the Pharisees is getting getting blown up and they, they are beginning to understand this as Jesus hits in his um, teaching in verses 1 through 10 he is, he is, he's hitting them hard and they begin to understand that he's hitting them hard and they begin to understand that there's a new covenant that there's something new kind of, I don't know if they would have called it that but there's something new coming down the pike here and Jesus is beginning to, to kind of throw that verbal hand grenade that, that, that teaching out there that, that, that listen I'm the gateway I'm the door I'm the door for the sheep it's not, about, it's not about following the right rules. It's not about following, the, the, you know, making the right sacrifices. We can't make enough sacrifice and we can't follow rules close enough to get us to heaven. You see, we're talking about the, what, what, they were, what they had is, is the, the, the kingdom of man. And Jesus is telling them the, the, the directions to the kingdom of God. He's telling them how to walk into the kingdom of God and, and, and become children of God and begin to follow him and begin to grow and begin to, to, to follow the shepherd who knows their name and, and to begin to understand that they can hear God's voice and, and know who God is and begin to understand that they can follow him. So what does that mean for us today? It means salvation and redemption. That's our very life, our lifeblood and the very core of, of Christianity. It's our salvation and redemption. It's Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected. It, it's, a, it, it's amazing that, uh, that, that, that he's kind of introducing this and, and people, I think, are beginning to understand what he's saying here. He, he's not talking about some cute little story. He's talking, about, he's talking about a change. He's talking about changing the trajectory of history right here and now and changing our trajectory, quite honestly. I, I, I look at it uh, with, with uh, that, that there's, there's a lot of passion here that, that I, I think sometimes when we read the scriptures, we don't see. But we, we need to understand that God has such passion to, to, to come back into relationship, come back into right relationship with us, that he sent his only son. And, and I started to think about that and, and look back and, and uh, begin to try to think about what it would, like, what it would be like to, to, to lose a son or lose a daughter. And, as a parent, um, I, I, I can't, I, it's unfathomable to me. I, I, can't even, I, I can't even think in those terms, but I, I started to look back at, at some, some people who I, I knew, maybe public figures that, that had lost children, and, and, and the, the, the pain and anguish that that, that meant to them. I was, I was reading uh, uh, Toby Mac, many of you may uh, have listened to Toby Mac or know his songs, but I was reading a song that he wrote called 21, and it, and it was a song that he wrote after his son um, died at the age of 21. And, and, and as I read through some of the words of that song, just the pain and the anguish, and, and, and to think that, that somebody would actually give their son, to give their son up for somebody else, it, it's, 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 it's incredible. I, I can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine the, 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 the pain and anguish that it must have been for, for God to send his only son uh, to this earth to save a people who were, who were 
angry at him, who, were, who hated him, who spat on him, who, who, who scourged him, who put a, a thorn of nails on his head, or a, a crown of thorns on his head. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how, how, how he did that and how much he, how, what, what kind of passion he had for us. He loved us that much that he sent his only son. And that's what he's talking about here. That's what Jesus is talking about here. In Acts 4, uh, 12, it says that there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus was, was, was beginning that. It, this was like he was, the, he, he was the savior preaching the gospel. That's, this is like the, one of the first times I think that the gospel was preached and it was preached by the savior. He was letting them know that he was the door. And, and, and that the only way into the kingdom of God, the only way back into right relationship with God was through him. That's what he was telling us. And that's what that means for us today. So I, I, I just want us to, to kind of consider that. Uh, some of you may be in, in a house church. Some of you may be uh, in, in your own homes watching. We appreciate you joining us. I, I just want to put this out there that if you are... Uh, a Christian, and you've been a Christian for 30 years, that's awesome. But I, I, I want to challenge you to, to, to say that, that uh, whether you've been a Christian for 30 years or one year, I, I want to challenge you to say that we need to walk through this door, this, this door of Jesus every day. We need, to be, we, we need to be on that path. We need to be following him. We need to hear his voice. We need to hear him call us by name. And we need to be, be ignoring, uh, conversely, we need to be ignoring those who are not the voice of God. And if you're not a Christian, if you haven't been, if you haven't kind of walked through that door, this, as we see in this analogy, if you haven't walked through that door, I want to challenge you to, to kind of consider what Jesus is saying here. That, that, that there, there's no amount of rules that you can follow. There's no amount of uh, uh, sacrifice that you can make. You can't be good enough to, to step into heaven. We're going through Jesus. He's the door. And, and what he was saying is that, that he died on the cross for us. And, and, and he did that for us to, to be the sacrifice for our sins. So, so if you're uh, looking to, to kind of uh, look into this a little deeper, I challenge you, please reach out to us. Somebody at City Church would love to get with you and, and pray with you and, and kind of walk you through this and, and answer any questions you might have. So if you have anything, any questions regarding this message, regarding uh, getting closer to God and getting closer to Jesus, please go to citychurchalbany.com, scroll down to the bottom, write write a, a little message, write, write a question, write whatever you, you need to write, however you need to reach out to us. There's a little form on the bottom of that page that you can reach out to us and we'd be happy, we'd be so happy to, to kind of delve into that with you. So with that, we're going to close out. We're going to jump into another worship song, but I appreciate you being here. I look so forward to, to, to kind of getting back to, uh, to seeing each other face to face. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm also looking forward to what we're doing with the, with the home church and, and just being able to get with people and, and kind of understand and, and kind of uh, get to know each other in a little more intimate environment. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to testimonies when we get back for everybody who, who, who is, is just maybe met somebody new or maybe saw somebody brought into the kingdom through, through house church. I'm looking so forward to that. But we're going to get into a worship song here. I appreciate you guys. I love you. And we're looking forward to seeing you very shortly.